Man, I really butchered the uh, the whole intro there, but you really dropped the ball there on that. I one. did. Uh, clearly, I'm out of practice, even though it hasn't been that long. But we're back, another Monday edition of the Sport Flash recap. Um, Clack isn't here; he's taking some uh, relaxation, vacation time, so he'll be back next week. But you're stuck with uh, with Tyler and I. Tyler, how you doing, man? I'm pretty good, you know. Got to take a nap today. That was nice. That's like the highlight of my week normally besides doing these shows. So, Hey, I mean, when you get a good nap in and talk some sports, it's always a good day. Yeah. So you want to start with the Bama sports or the, the one Bama sport we're talking about right now? Softball. Yeah. And obviously, um, like we've said in the past right now, like we're kind of sprinkling in these like sport flash recap shows, what we're calling them, or we just kind of go around like the the world of sports quote-unquote world of sports and we talk about um you know breaking news and stuff because there's not too much bama um sports going on and there's not too much nfl stuff going on so we like to kind of rope it up into one big show but yeah, yeah um like you just mentioned softball alabama softball has drawn the sixth seed um in the ncaa tournament obviously we talked about last week them losing to Missouri three nothing and getting getting the boot from the, the SEC tournament, but they're in a very favorable uh, little side of the bracket right now. Uh, I think they have Chattanooga, which it's their first NCAA appearance since 2019. Murray State, um, this is their second time in the tournament. The only other time they've been in is 2017. And then um, Stanford finished fourth out of nine teams in the Pac-12. So, you know, not not terribly great. And our matchup, the first matchup is Friday, um, play Chattanooga. And I feel kind of good about our chances there. Um, I think had we taken care of business, we would have a lot higher of a seed and probably played, you know, some, some tougher teams. But I kind of like how we are sitting as a sixth seed. Yeah. I don't think it's too bad right now. And like, you should win your regional, hopefully that's like why it's the Tuscaloosa regional. Right. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I think Stanford probably worries me the most of the teams. Murray state has a better record, but at the same time, like Stanford's a power five team and power five teams play a little bit harder competition. So if they're like, I mean, they're like three games separate them. Mm-hmm. So I was going to air towards, especially like the pac 12, you know, they have, some pretty good teams like you know arizona comes to mind and so yeah <laughs> yeah but i don't know it, it's been up and down and if they struggle here like like i said last week it's just it reminds me of basketball all too well and so that does make me a little nervous but they should take care of business hopefully and then you know we'll be looking pretty for the national tournament yeah, I don't know. I don't think we'll have any issues. I think we've kind of gotten that out of our system. Maybe that's me just being optimistic, but I'm excited um, for the tournament, and I don't know how easy it is to get tickets, but I might try and get some tickets, obviously, because I'm only like an hour and 25 minutes away, and so that might be something I uh, I do. But our resident uh, softball and baseball expert Clack isn't here tonight, so that's about all all the insight Tyler and I can give on uh, the softball team. Yeah, and then uh, the other only other like Bama news besides baseball and softball going on 
the whole Tua situation, you know, there's another Tua the, video that came the, out. The Tua debacle of, of 2022. The highlight videos where half the time people just complain about all the highlights they're posting. Mm-hmm. He yes. another one. He threw a he threw a pretty good pass to Tyreek Hill, but people were, yeah, it was a little wobbly. <laughs> people overrate tight spirals. Who cares how tight the spiral is if the ball gets there? That's what I was at. You know. Yeah, you don't. I mean, you don't get the points for style, but exactly. um, as long as it's getting there, it's all that matters. And I think Tyreek Hill and two are going to have quite a few touchdowns this year. Um, but I just thought that was something funny I had to throw on there because. Yeah. Last week, we were talking about the other video. So we had an official two update. So I'm feeling a little bit better about the whole situation. I'm sure you are, too. But that's all for, for Alabama sports. Um, had a good amount of NFL, f- despite it being the offseason and the draft being over and done with free agency, pretty much done with as well. We did have quite a few uh, NFL things uh, on here to discuss. Um, I guess we won't go in chronological order. Um, Jair Alexander, Packers star cornerback, one of the best cornerbacks in all football, in my opinion, probably, I don't know, top 10, top five, depending on uh, where you want to go with that list. But he signed a four-year, $84 million extension with the Packers. Um, It's a lot of money, but I think a player like Jair Alexander is, is worth every penny of that money. And so good for the Packers to go ahead and lock him up um, for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Well, as a Vikings fan, you can't be too happy about that, but no. And like I said, I was going to say, I'm the biggest Packers hater you'll ever find, but even I can't argue. He's definitely top five. I don't know. There's maybe one or two corners. I would like definitively put ahead of him. And so like Jalen Ramsey and then like, I don't know. Then even then, it's debatable. After that, I think Jalen Ramsey is pretty much the only one I would definitely put ahead of him. But um, the only thing for Jair Alexander is like staying healthy. I know he was hurt a lot last year, and so hopefully that doesn't turn into like a recurring issue for him. Because then that's a lot of money to shell out. It was like a record-setting deal. I think they had the most guaranteed money ever for a corner, and uh, he. So I saw an interesting thing. The first pick by each of the last two Packers GMs is now the highest paid player ever in that position currently. So Aaron Rodgers was the first pick by their previous GM. And then um, Jair Alexander was the first pick by their new GM. And they're both the highest paid players at the whole position. So it's pretty good drafting. I think those are two players that are worth worth yeah, all that money though so absolutely can't go wrong with with that and i said top 10 or i wanted to say top five and i was like eh, i'll say top 10 just to see where tyler sits because i know everybody has if clack was on here he'd probably tell us that jair alexander was one of the worst cornerbacks in the league so i wanted to see how you um what your thoughts were on that but i was being a little cautious but yeah jair alexander we both agree is is top five talent at his position, which is, I mean, loaded with talent across the league. So Drew Brees is out as an anal- a football analyst. What was he, he was doing Monday Night Football or he, uh, Sunday Night. He was doing su- the what is it NBC's Football Night in America 
um, with Maria Taylor and uh, Mike Tirico, who we talked about yeah. last week. Maria Taylor was promoted to the the head uh, person in charge of that show. But more interestingly, I saw that there's a bunch of rumors that apparently he might be trying to make a comeback to football after a year. And let me say, I love Drew Brees, top top five quarterback of all time. He could barely throw the ball 20 yards two years ago. I don't think, I don't think that that's going to be a good signing. And any team that signs him with the expectation that oh we're getting Drew Brees, he's not Tom Brady. He's not going to come in and lead you to a Super Bowl right away. I saw lots of Saints fans. I don't know if it's just because he's the best Saints player ever getting excited about, oh, maybe he'll come back to the Saints. Honestly, I don't think you want that at this point for your team. I would rather have Jameis Winston. Yeah, especially after getting, we'll talk about Jarvis Landry, getting Jarvis Landry, getting uh, Chris Olave, getting Michael Thomas back. These You have all these weapons, and you're, you're taking away a whole, you know, deep passing aspect of your game so i don't i don't think you would want that maybe you want it for nostalgia maybe it's one of those things where you just can't say no to drew Brees because of all he's done for your team whatever i get it but anyone acting like he'd be an upgrade i think it would be definitely worse for the team yeah and just so we're clear the official statement from drew Brees was from his twitter account he said, uh, and I quote, despite speculation from media about my future this fall, I'm currently undecided. I may work for NBC. I may play football again. I may focus on business and philanthropy. I may train for the pickleball tour, senior, go- senior golf tour, coach my kids or all of the above. I'll let you know, end quote. So, I mean, it was a pretty loaded tweet. Um, yeah. Obviously, some actual stuff in there sprinkled in with some humor just to kind of deflect. Uh, but I agree with you. Um, I think his last season in New Orleans wasn't great. I mean, it wasn't horrible, but I think if he were to play again, um, it would kind of leave a bad taste in people's mouth about uh, just him as a player, even though he's had a phenomenal career. Uh, right now, the taste in your mouth is, is a little bit bitter from how uh, his last season, but like I feel like if he played again, it would just be – it would be a disaster, and like you said, he's not Tom Brady. Nobody's Tom Brady. Uh, I mean, Tom Brady's about to be 44, I think, and he's playing in yeah. his, what, 23rd or 4th? I don't know. I've lost count at this point. The, Tom Brady is, is the GOAT for a reason, and he's a unicorn athlete that can play into his 40s. I don't think as good as Drew Brees is. That's something uh, he really needs to be doing. And like you said also – with the addition of Jarvis Landry and Alave, and hopefully you get Michael Thomas back to being slant boy. Uh, Michael Thomas back to being one of the better receivers in the league. You don't need Drew Brees to come out there and hobble out there and throw a football when you have uh, Jameis Winston, who's, you know, I think above average. Um, I think they'll be okay, but it certainly was interesting that he came out and and said that because – um, you know, I do think it didn't really work out uh, for him on NBC, and so now he's probably just, you know, panicking about what he needs to do next. So I, I have a quick question for you then. Where would you rank James Winston? Because I saw a lot of people, and I don't know if it was just I stumbled in, like, the Saints section of Twitter. I saw a lot of people Ooh, saying he That's was a dangerous section top. to be in. Yeah, 
a lot of people saying he's a top 10, top five quarterback, and that's just absolutely ridiculous in my mind. He, he had well, he started his last season like two years ago, I think. Uh, I mean, I guess he started last year, but he got hurt and like played one or two games. And no, it's this will be the second year. So he's starting, year. but yes, he started last year and then played like two games and then tore mm-hmm. ACL or whatever. So the last time he started a full season was when he was on the Buccaneers three or four years ago. And it's been a while. Even then, he had like thirty touchdowns and thirty interceptions. I, I just I have trouble seeing him as anything other than maybe slightly above average. I, I definitely don't think he's in the top echelon of quarterbacks. I can very quickly name you at least 10 other quarterbacks I'd rather take over him. And I just don't understand where this whole narrative that, oh, Jameis Winston is going to be our savior comes from. He's an average quarterback. That's like the Titans fans going, oh, Brian Tannehill is really going to carry us this year. I'd put them about on the same level. Yeah, I mean, like I said, he's not a great quarterback, but I think he's better than Drew Brees is right now. I'll agree uh, with that. Obviously, all the time, Drew Brees is considerably better than Winston, but given his age, um, I would I would not be taking Drew Brees over James Winston. We kind of uh, teased it. Do you want to talk about, you know, in more detail, the fact that the Saints went out and signed uh, Jarvis Landry? Yeah, they brought back home two LSU players, actually. It was Tyler yeah, Honey Badger. And then now Jarvis Landry. I think it's a great fit. And also, it was only like a one-year, $3 million deal. I don't think Jarvis Landry is a wide receiver one, but he's a very good wide receiver two. And that's exactly what they needed because they have a question mark in Michael Thomas. Will he come back and play like he did before? Is he still hurt? Who knows? Because that whole situation was very strange last year. Hopefully he's healthy because when he was healthy, as much as we like to make fun of Slant Boy, he was really cool to watch him just catch everything in you know a ten foot radius on either side. And then also they have an exciting young receiver in Chris Olave. Jarvis Landry adds a third dimension to that, and you know I think their offense is pretty solid now from top to bottom. Their receiver depth was one of the big question marks, but. Uh, was it Marquez Callaway was their second receiver last mm-hmm. year? And now he's wide receiver four. So anytime you can take a wide receiver two and push him, push him all the way down to four because you got better players, that's pretty good. Like he might not be, Marquez Callaway might not be a great number two, but he's definitely a really good number four on a team. Kind of like, uh, I don't know, shoot, like the Vikings with Ola B.C. Johnson. Two years ago, when Adam Thielen or Justin Jefferson got hurt, he was wide receiver two, and now he's like four or five. Yeah, I think. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say, anytime you can like, even if they're not that great of a player, uh, and they weren't great at like the number one, number two spot, if the fact that they were there in the first place means at least they're good depth, right? Uh, you'd be hard pressed to find a team that doesn't have any serviceable receivers at all. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and I think if you're a Saints fan, you have to be absolutely thrilled about how this offseason has gone for you. Uh, you got two immediate starters in the draft with Olave and uh, Trevor Penning mm-hmm. um, in the first round, and then you went out and signed two immediate starters in free agency that were just kind of hanging around that are, are two 
very talented players. I mean, they're a little bit older in age, but you signed them to to deals that weren't terribly expensive, and um, they're both guys that are immediately going to come in and, and start for you. With obviously, I'm referring to Tyron Matthew and uh, yeah. Jarvis Landry, and I'm sitting here, I'm looking at the Saints just depth chart, and then you've got Thomas Alave and Landry. Uh, as your wide receivers, and then your offensive linemen are P- Trevor Penning, who you just drafted, who, I mean, is a rookie, but I think will be uh, an immediate impact player for them. Andres Pete, Eric McCoy, like Ryan Ramchick, they have an amazing offensive line with a lot of depth there. Depth at receiver, like you mentioned, with Marquez Callaway and, you know, Traquan Smith, who's shown flashes himself. And then at the running back position, you've got Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram. So it, this is offensive wise a very deep team and then the defense with you know cameron jordan and demario davis and i mean and this they sent marcus may right as well yeah they did so i mean pj williams is your backup free safety who just daniel Sorensen they resigned like as much as you know we can joke on on daniel Sorensen and him and tyron matthew haven't exactly had the best uh history together but if your backup safety is Daniel Sorensen and your backup other safety is P.J. Williams, your backup running back is Mark Ingram. And, I mean, I could just keep going on and on. They're definitely yeah. probably uh, one of the more deeper teams in the league. So I think they could be a sleeper team to make a lot of noise this year. The two big question marks for me, like I said, are Jameis Winston. How good is he actually going to be with a good cast around him? I think the team goes as far as Jameis can take them, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like he will make or break the team. I know that's true about most quarterbacks, but he's got to perform. And then also Trevor Penning. I, I know you said you think he's going to step in and make an immediate impact, but he was a first-round pick on measurables and potential. But I, I think he could have some growing pains, and I think that that could hurt them in the long or in the short term. Not in the long term. I think he's going to be fine long term. But I think that he's going to play, play left tackle, right? One of the hardest if not the hardest offensive line positions it's either that or center and he you know he needs to work on his technique he has all the athleticism in the world one of the most athletic tackles i think that's ever been drafted but how quickly he gets into shape also could really help or hurt the team if he takes a long time then it might actually you know cause them to struggle i can tell you all about having bad <laughs> offensive line and it ruining games for you so I think those are my two big question marks, but other than that, they're really deep from top to bottom, and I think they're going to be a pretty solid team. Um, Mr. Big Chest, Antonio Brown. Not me. Just kidding. Antonio Brown tweeted out today that he just, quote, just wants to retire a Steeler after forcing his way out and, you know, going, uh, not wanting to be a Steeler for so long. He suddenly wants to be a Steeler again. To me, this screams, I don't have any interest. Like, no one wants to sign me. Please, someone, please. Interest? Sign me. How about income? I mean, I probably shouldn't be saying this, but somebody's running low on money needs to pay their child support bills because and he just seems like he's been on the, on this nomadic lifestyle tour where he's just, I'll see him on podcasts randomly and going to events. And I feel like he's, he's, burning through all his money so he's like oh you know let me retire to Steeler but to be clear he said he didn't want to play he just wanted to retire 
And I, if I'm a Steelers fan, if I'm Mike Tomlin, like if I'm a player, I don't want anything to do with him. I mean, that was an ugly, ugly ending for him in, in Pittsburgh. And what benefit does it, do you have to, to have him retire with your organization when he's been, for lack of better words, just an absolute ass clown? I, I get it. But at the same time, for what, eight or nine years, he was the best receiver in your franchise's history. And he's still a potential future Hall of Famer. He might have crazied his way out of that. But I don't, stat-wise, I think he's going to be right I, there. So. I, yeah, you're right stat-wise. But I just don't think at least it's going to take a long time before you know people can get over the last really couple years he's had in the yeah. league and all the crazy stuff that he's done. It's not even like it's just a couple of minor things. Like this is just an ongoing thing that just doesn't seem to end. It's kind of like last week we were talking about the IG Hall situation. Um, people just don't know when to just take a step back and, and remove themselves and get help or even just stop talking really. Right. Yeah, it's it's a wide receiver thing, you know, the position that has the most personality on the team, and sometimes that personality isn't always a good thing. Um, so Melvin Ingram, last kind of signing I wanted to talk about, I thought that he was really good for, uh, what was it, the Chargers, and then he signed with the Steelers last year and got released halfway through the season because they weren't playing him enough. Then he went mm-hmm. to the Chiefs, and the Chiefs actually he played pretty well for them, and now he's signing with the Dolphins. And I think that's, you know, really solid. The Dolphins are another team that I think have made great improvements from top to bottom. And it's hard to say that this is their year with the Bills being in the same division. But I think that that's going to be a a two-way battle with the Bills and the the Dolphins this year. I I know Mac Jones fans will not like to hear that because Mm -hmm. um, I love my boy Mac, but... I think the Patriots have more glaring issues than either of these teams. Like you look at the, you look at the Dolphins, you look at the Bills. What are the the glaring issues that they have? It's kind of hard. To, like I think for both teams, like maybe running back, but running back doesn't matter in the NFL. Come on, don't kid yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and hey, the Bills drafted James Cook, so there you go. Running back solved. Running back by committee. Yeah, exactly. That's. Honestly, it's it's a pretty good way to go, especially in the modern NFL. I think running back by committee is just as good, if not better, as long as you have a good scheme than like a workhorse running back. Yeah, so. I agree. I think that division too, um, with Tua Mac and Tua Mac and Zach, and then you have Josh. <laughs> it's gonna be interested to see um, who's fighting with the Bills for that um, that top spot. Because obviously is good and a lot of those other teams are shown flashes the bills are the team to beat and you know a lot of people super bowl team this year so i'll be interested to see who who can you know compete to to steal that number one spot away or at least just kind of be up there with the bills this year yeah they were potentially a super bowl team last year they were a coin flip away from maybe being a super bowl team last year so yeah for sure and just talk um to bring up the melvin ingram thing i think that that's a a good signing for the Dolphins. It's not, you know, going to put them over the top or anything, but he did pretty well last year with, with Kansas yeah. City, and I think it's a good signing. Um, it's all about bargain, too, like getting players for cheap, like the 
the Saints got Landry for cheap and uh the Dolphins did so with um with Ingram as well. So value's huge. Yeah, because now they have what they have Ingram and then Jalen Phillips starting opposite of him. So because mm-hmm. I, I remember I actually don't remember how Jalen Phillips did last year. I never heard that much about him. Um, it's probably because their media was too busy dumping on two in Miami. So uh, two of his teammates were probably happy because it took the the attention away from them. I think he did okay, but I'm kind of eight just, and a half sacks. That's that's really good as a rookie. I think Chase Young had like ten and a half or something, and that's yeah. And you he know, only started five games. So. Yeah, that's that's very impressive. Um, as somebody who was taken like in the late first round, and I'm comparing him to my team's generational edge rusher that was taken second overall. I think it's kind of well, crazy when you compare the two. I would argue though that Jalen Phillips was taken. He was taken 18th overall. I think that he's only taken that high because of all the injury issues. He's like one bad concussion away from maybe never playing football again. Mm-hmm. So. But as in terms of talent, he was a top 10, maybe like borderline top five guy in pure skill. Just injuries are scary, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, last thing for football, OTAs are starting soon. I think ours are starting tomorrow, maybe. I know we just had our, our mandatory rookie camp, but OTAs, optional team activities. Basically, uh, most players will attend them and get to you know kind of bond a little bit work on the scheme there's no hitting there's no actual actual football going on so you can't really gleam anything from them but i always kind of i'm a sucker for stuff like that i follow training camp i follow otas to me it's kind of exciting because you can kind of see where like the roster stands up like for example this year we have a couple of you know important roster battles is Andrew Booth Jr. going to start as a rookie? Who knows? Is Ed Ingram going to start as a rookie at right guard? Who knows? And kind of following OTAs and training camp is how you get updates on that whole situation. So I always like following those things. Well, I mean, it's like the show we have. There's no off season uh, when it comes to the NFL. You have, you know, the season comes to an after Super Bowl, and then immediately it's senior bowl and draft draft and all that and then before you know it the season or it's the middle of the summer and you know we're talking about uh i don't know why i can't think of it right now the preseason coming right up and so it's exciting and i like you kind of don't follow otas like religiously but i you know want to see how the rookies are doing i want to see you know how positional battles are going and all that so i think it's pretty cool and i'm gonna try and maybe make it out to washington camp at some point this summer that's Mm kind of one of my one of my goals and see how that goes but i'm just really excited um for nfl to start back up again and college football august august i'm big football guy over here so uh we've brought it up before you know, it doesn't really matter how good a player looks in shorts and a and a t shirt with no pads on, but it's it's still pretty cool to to see your team in action. And as a fan of a team that's brand spanking new, that's also kind of plays uh, a pretty large part into it for me as well. So we have a question: How do you think the Bengals are going to do this year? 
Mm, I think the Bengals will regress um, just because, obviously, uh, the Ravens, I think, are going to have a better year. They had a really good draft, really good offseason. Um, the Browns got Deshaun Watson and Amari Cooper, so that's pretty huge as well. I mean, it's not even a knock on the Bengals. I think that division will be pretty well-rounded this year. Even Pittsburgh, I think, with Kenny Pickett slash Mitch Trubisky, I think they'll be pretty competitive. I don't know how many games they're going to win, but um, I think the Bengals will finish. Mm, I think the Browns will finish first. I think the Bengals will finish third, maybe get a wild card or something. I think the Ravens are second, but like I said, it's not even a knock on the Bengals. It's just the division got a lot more competitive in the offseason. I, I think, agree. I think Burrow, people are very high on Burrow right now, and he's a good quarterback. But I think his um, you know, ranking overall in the league is kind of getting blown out of proportion due to last year and and you know making it to a Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. And I think that it's going to sound really weird, but you, you, you'll understand what I mean. I don't think the Bengals were the best team in the AFC last year. I, I think they were like the fourth best maybe they had some great playoff uh matchups that really helped them out so i mean you look at their playoff wins they beat the chiefs they match up well against the chiefs i can't take anything away from them barely beat the raiders i still think the chiefs are the better team even if they beat them twice which is kind of a funny statement you know i think you can be a better team but still match up poorly Mm -hmm. not everyone agrees with me but i think that even you know if you lose the head-to-head you can still be a better team. You just played better that day, right? And the Bengals did that, and that's what you need to do. I don't think they would have beat the Bills had they matched up against the Bills. I think the Bills are better. And then, uh, I'm trying to think, would I put anyone else above them? I don't want to say they got lucky because they played really well, and I think they earned their spot in the Super Bowl, but at the same time, I yeah, like I, I agree with your your statement about them definitely not being the best team in the AFC. And so this year, I think they'll have a little bit of a come back down to earth moment, Mm -hmm. but you know, you're looking at a team with Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow and Joe Mixon's, um, you know, obviously they're going to be scratching and clawing for the top of that division with Cleveland. And that's, that's, that is the thing too, is that, we're talking about them regressing as if it's bad for a couple 24-year-olds to, you know, not be Super Bowl contenders every time. I think that Patrick Mahomes has poisoned the minds of young football fans because now they see Mahomes compete for a Super Bowl every year and go – or like Tom Brady even. Yeah, well, that's, know, also, that's, norm, but. that's also the common thing that we have on this show is expectations kind of getting blown out of the water just based off of – of success of somebody else, you know, yeah. like a young quarterback. And We're that just, okay. I was just going to say that seems to, to happen a lot. And I don't think it's fair, but I can see why uh, the comparisons are made. Yeah. Well, we're seeing it with football. We're seeing it with basketball now, like LeBron and Tom Brady normalized making the championship every year. And now we're seeing it go back to the way that it normally is, where there's more parity between who's going to make it. And even the good teams that are competing every year aren't always going to make it every year. You look at the Bucks; They won last year. They just got eliminated. We'll talk about it. Actually, that's a good transition because 
Let's talk about some basketball. The Celtics. Yeah, I think we've I think we've talked enough about NFL. <laughs> yeah, the Boston Celtics beat the Milwaukee Bucks 109 to 81 in Game Seven in Boston. So Boston moves on to the East Conference Eastern Conference Final against Miami. And let me just say, I made some predictions last week. Last show, I made a couple of basketball predictions. I think I made three or four of them. They were all completely wrong. It was the worst yeah. I've ever had. <laughs> I'm embarrassed thinking about how wrong I was. I said the 76ers would, you know, win. I said that or I said that they'd take it to game seven. They didn't even make it to game seven. I said they would win. I said that the Bucks would probably outlast the Celtics. Didn't happen. I said the Suns would beat the Mavericks didn't happen in fact i made it seem like the mavericks had no shot boy was i a fool yeah i mean we were talking about that game and i was like i wrote i i posed the question do, you, do the Mavs have any shot and you said I, no I, my I, response was do they or do i think they will have do they have a shot or will they win and i said they have a shot but they will not win and then i was so wrong anyway. too we were yes. both very very wrong uh pulling in that week now we have the Bucks against, or sorry, the Celtics against Miami. I think that that's going to be really interesting. And also I'm happy because for the first time in a while, all four teams that are left in the playoffs, I don't really care. Whoever wins the championship, it's not a boring team that wins every year. It's not a team I don't like personally. So I, I'm okay with whoever wins. I think they all have some good stories. But uh, Celtics-Miami, uh I'm kind of feeling Miami. I think that they're a really good team, like from top to bottom in depth. They have Jimmy Butler. One person we neglected to mention last week when we were talking about Miami is Bam Adebayo. He's been very good for them. And then Tyler Hero, reigning sixth man of the year. I think it's going to be a good series. I'm going to go Miami in six. And that's my official prediction. So it's probably going to be Celtics in four based on last week. I don't think either one of these teams is going to sweep. I think it's going to be a close series, but um, I don't know. I think Boston getting over the hump and, and beating Milwaukee, a tough Milwaukee team with the best player in the league, Giannis Anacumpo. I think Miami is going to have to be my pick. Um, I'll say – or not Miami. God, I just screwed that up already. I'm going to say Boston in seven. Um, Jason Tatum – Marcus Smart, I think, is questionable for game one. I'm sure that um, he'll end up playing, and he's done really well for them recently. He's been a difference maker, and I think they're just a very, very deep team. That's not a knock against Miami. I think Miami's good as well, but uh, if I had a gun to my head, I would I would pick Boston uh, to win it in seven. But I'm excited I, for another great series. These teams have, have had some, some great matchups in the past, and the Eastern Conference Finals, so this will be another great one to watch. Yeah, and it's it's kind of cool because it's one of those games where they had some past, like, bad blood, some good games in the past, but the teams are completely different now. It's been long enough. LeBron's gone. The big three for the Celtics are LeBron's watching on his couch. <laughs> yeah. But, so I, I, I think it's going to be super interesting, and I hope... I, I'm just rooting for Jimmy Butler, honestly. I love Jason Tatum. I'm a, I'm a big Jason Tatum guy. You know, he's from the, from the area. He's from St. Louis. But I feel like Jason Tatum will be back. Jimmy Butler's getting older. 
I don't know how long he's going to stay like a top tier player. So, and I think Jimmy Butler just deserves recognition for all the hard work that he put in. He was like a second round pick. He was in the G League and then was barely playing and basically just busted his butt for every offseason. Now he's a he's a top 15 player in the league. So, um, And then the Mavericks beat the Suns 123 to 90. Don't let that 33 point blowout on their home court confuse you. It was not that close. Uh, the Mavericks were up 57 to 27 and a half. I have never seen a team score 27 points in an entire half. That is like rec league. My rec league team was scoring more points at halftime than that. That's a team with Devin Booker who's put up 70 before on his own. And Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton, they got smacked in the mouth. They were down 50 at one point. Not even exaggerating. They were losing by over 50 points at home in Game 7 of an elimination game. That's they embarrassing. Lo- they lost to uh, a, doughy, a doughy guy who eats McDoubles and, and drinks vodka. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you saw those tweets, but yeah. people were, were coming up with the most creative ways to just meme the the – Arizona or the Phoenix Suns, excuse me, and all of it. Obviously, I'm referring to Luka Doncic, who had an amazing series. Yeah, Luka at half or before the half ended had got to 30 points before the Suns. He got to 30. Points yeah, he had more points than the Suns. Team. Yeah, he got to 30 before the entire Suns did. So, and it. Oh, what a scrub. It took him till quarter three to get to 30. It took the Suns till quarter three to get to 30 as well. I think um, he's Luca already. I we, we talked about him last week and how great he is, but making it to, to the Western Conference Finals and at his age and all that he's done in the playoffs this year and just the season overall, it's been huge. I mean, he you can't really argue against him being a – top five player in the NBA right now. No, and it's crazy because he's so young. He's like 22 years old, I think. Maybe yeah, I mean, he's just turned 23. Tyler and I are around that age, and we're sitting here talking about him, and he's out there yeah. putting in work making us look bad. Yeah, exactly. Jason Tatum's young, too. I mean, a lot of young, young, uh, young stars in this league, and they're not sitting here talking about sports like us. Uh, DeAndre Ayton, too, was a free agent after this year, and apparently the Suns didn't want to max him. so He's, he's gone. He doesn't deserve gone. the max. Well, I don't know about that. I think that... I don't think he's a be- bad player, but I think he, he's been... I mean, not as advertised. as He was the second pick, right, or the third pick in the draft? He was the first pick. He was the first pick? At the, the time, Luka that's... Draft. Okay. If he wasn't in the same draft as Luca and Trey Young, he would be looked at in a much better light. But the Suns picked him. He can't, you know, you can't fault the guy for getting picked number one, I don't think. But also, when you have two super high impact players like that, and you're a center who's putting up good numbers, but you know, you're not going to be taking over the game as a center like that for the most part. At least not the style of center he is. He's not going to take over. Yeah, I mean, he just, I know he's being like physical and big and bulky isn't really his game as a center, but I think he could benefit immensely from maybe adding some more 
weight, I guess, onto his frame. Well, like defense and you know being a big guy are some of the things that he excels at. He's just he's too passive sometimes, in my opinion. But yeah, I agree he's, completely. He's a he's gone, and my whole thing I was going to say about DeAndre Ayton is, unfortunately, that's just the sports like the way that sports are nowadays. You have to offer max contracts to young players with like potential or because they're going to get a max contract from somewhere. If you want him, you will have to max him. Maybe he's not worth it, but you look at like Tobias Harris got a max contract. He's probably better than Tobias Harris. So it's just the way it works. If you want to lure a star, you got to give him max and he's going to get the max from somewhere. I don't know where I don't have any teams. Like I haven't sat down. Milwaukee. I don't know if Milwaukee has the money to do it. But also, Milwaukee has Brooke Lopez, who's like discounted DeAndre Ayton. And I think Milwaukee is not as big of an issue because with Giannis, you want a center that can shoot threes because Giannis can't shoot that well, so you're going to be clogging up the paint. Um, I think Milwaukee, not to get too far off topic, um, I mean, they didn't have Chris Middleton, and that hurt them for sure, but I think... They still need to add like a, a Robin to Giannis's Batman this offseason. I don't know who that could be. Um, be really cool if they got like Bradley Beal or something. I was gonna say Bradley Beal, funnily enough. And I love Bradley Beal, you know, as a Wizards fan, but I'm pretty sure he's gonna leave. I don't blame him for leaving. And I I love the Bucks and I love Giannis, so that's kind of like a perfect fit in my mind um, as a fan. And just, I think for him as a player, he would do well in Milwaukee. And that would be not the final piece because they won last year with pretty much the same roster they have this year. But um, yeah. I think that would solidify some, some issues that they have currently. And I think I think Bradley Beal would gel well with Giannis and Middleton, some of those other players that they have. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think he would make a great fit. So... Do you think, well, I mean, what chance are we giving the Mavs against the Warriors? I think the Warriors have looked very sloppy, and the Mavs have looked very, very solid. So I guess for me it's a question of are the Warriors going to wake up and kind of get their crap together, or are they going to kind of continue stumbling around and get punched in the mouth by, uh, by Dallas and, and Luka? So, fun fact, the Warriors – Lost the season series three to one to three teams this year. Okay. They lost the season series to the Denver Nuggets three to one. They lost the season series to the Memphis Grizzlies three to one. They lost the season series to the uh, Dallas, Dallas Mavericks, Mavericks three to one. That being said, Warriors and four, baby. Let's go. Bring out the brooms. You think no, it's a I, sweep? No, I think it'll be game. I think the Mavericks take one game. I think it's four to one. I really do. I think the Warriors are going to start trying. I think that the war, like, you know, they're in the Western Conference Finals. You can't afford to screw around, for lack of a better term, like they have been. And I think that Luke is going to have a game or two. There's going to be a game or two where he single-handedly wills them to win. So, well, I mean, Luke is going to get his. He's he's a top five player in the league. What you got to do is stop like Spencer Dinwiddie from getting 30 points like he had last game or Jalen Brunson from getting 25. Maybe he gets 15 or, or 16. You can't stop Luca. Luca's just a, a dominant force, but you have to, you know, 
stop some of these other guys. And then Steph Curry hasn't shot the three ball well. I mean, Clay Thompson uh, has been kind of shaky as well. He had a great uh, last game. So, I mean, that's a positive for them. But they, yeah, they, they got to wake up. I think the Suns were just overvalued, overseeded. Um, yeah. I could kind of see that, but at the same time, I, I was listening to kind of what the media said. And I was like, oh, okay, I mean, they still have a lot of talent. They have CP3 and the, I mean, these guys. So it made sense to me. Um, but now looking back on it, I'm like, yeah, they were, never really should have been ranked that high and are a bit of a soft team. I think the Warriors are a different story. Um, obviously, they have you know, just absolutely dominated basketball over the last like decade. And I don't think they're gonna overlook, um, overlook Dallas like the Suns overlooked. But then again, the Warriors overlooked Memphis, and Memphis made it real close for them. But I think Steve Kerr will have those guys dialed in and ready to go for the Western Conference semifinals. So let me pose two things real quick, or let, let me make two points. I forgot my second point, so it might be one unless I think of it. But point one was that. The Warriors were the three seed in the West, correct? But before injuries, they were on pace to be the one seed. They had a better record than the Suns. They had a better record than the Nuggets. And then Draymond got hurt, and Steph got hurt, and Clay wasn't playing for the first half of the season. So I think that they were, you know, the best team when they're all playing together and playing healthy, right? And my other thing that, I, or my other point, I did think of it. Don't worry, don't fret. Clack said Warriors in five. I that's my official prediction too. Seasons so. Celtics in six. Celtics in I guess he said he decided on six. Yeah. So um, very reasonable takes from somebody who typically has horrible takes. So that's true. But you watched the the, the Mavericks Suns game, right? The Mavericks were hunting Chris Paul on defense. Whoever they were running, whoever offense on Chris Paul. He's too short. He can't really guard you. Patrick Beverly woke up at 4:40 in the morning to go on live air to trash talk Chris Paul today, talking about how he can't guard anyone. He's too small. He's not quick enough. Whatever. And I agree. You know, I mean, I don't know why Patrick Beverly is trash talking a first ballot Hall of Famer, but anyway, um, who are you gonna hunt? on offense if you're the Mavericks and the Warriors. Steph Curry might, is the weakest defender because he's the smallest, but he is a, an above-average defender. I think that gets lost in the fact that he's such a good shooter and people just assume, oh, he's small, he's not a great defender. But he's a he's a solid defender. He always has been his career. It's kind of underrated. but And he's their worst defender. Then you have Clay Thompson and Draymond Green, arguably the best defenders at their position in the league. You have depending on who you're starting, you have, I'm just going to roll with the game that they had last time. They have Kavon Looney. Kavon Looney is a solid big man. Maybe you attack him in like a pick and roll and hope he switches, whatever, but that didn't work for Memphis. And then I guess you could have Jonathan Kuminga starting maybe. Uh, but for a rookie, he's been a great defender as well. Then you have Andrew Wiggins, who is an above average defender. So I don't think they have that one person that you can just kind of pick on the whole time. Mm. Maybe Jordan Poole when he comes in the game, but but he's the, even Jordan Poole's been solid at times this year. So yeah, well having Gary Payton would be huge for the series for the Warriors. If they had Gary Payton, they could match him up on Luca, and it would be 
you know, more smooth of a run. But I just I don't think the Warriors have that weak link on defense like the Suns do, and I don't think the Mavericks will be able to exploit them quite as well. So I'm I'm going four one Warriors. And uh, I agree with that. We're running kind of long, so I kind of want to just ask you for your finals predictions. So you had Celtics and Warriors in the finals. Yeah. Who do you think takes it all? Uh, I think Golden State. Yeah. I think, um, you know, like the points we keep bringing up, they're just so deep. They have so much talent. Uh, there's not really a weak link. I think some of these other teams, despite getting this far, do have uh, some some weaknesses. I think the Warriors' biggest, um, you know, enemy right now is themselves and, and getting in their own heads about how good they are. I think they know they're a solid team and they're the best team, you know, left in the playoffs it's just about not overlooking and underestimating these these other teams so i think it's going to be the warriors i'm also going to go warriors and i'll make a bold prediction steph curry finally after all these years gets his finals mvp the one knock that everyone had on him you know he you look at the team clay was hurt all year draymond green's been hurt off and on they still win i think finally this is this is the Tom Brady Buccaneers Super Bowl. The Warriors win, right? This is the one where you go, okay, maybe he is that good, and maybe I'm I can't hate on him anymore, right? This is their Bucks Super Bowl. This is Steph Curry's. Okay, Steph Curry is, you know, a like, top top five point guard of all time. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I was gonna say top three, but people might get mad at me for that. Uh, in terms of impact, he is a top two point guard of all time, and I will not, not be taking further questions. Um, and by that, I just mean, like, basketball is a different game than it was before he entered the league because of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one last thing I wanted to bring up, too. And it just, it kind of, it kind of irked me, you know. I was on Twitter, twitter.com. You may have heard of it. Elon Musk owns it now. Crazy and world we live in. I know, right? The car guy is like, I'm just going to buy Twitter. Uh, but... I was on Twitter.com, and I saw a tweet from one Warriors rookie, Jonathan Kuminga, who was celebrating his team's win over the Memphis Grizzlies. One point guard for the Memphis Grizzlies, John Morant, responded to that tweet, basically said, you have to earn your stripes, young blood. Like, don't celebrate yet. Well, my question is that John Morant, you know, he won Rookie of the Year, and he won Most Improved Player this year. And he's like a one or two time all star. Okay. But what stripes has he earned? This is the farthest he's ever been in the playoffs. Like the the team is, you know, I hate John Morant. He made the playoffs once. In Jonathan Kuminga's rookie year, he's already advanced farther than John Morant has his in his three years in his career. So I mean, I'm not saying that Jonathan Kuminga has stripes or anything. He's a rookie who didn't even play a minute in game six. Yeah. But it's not like John Moran. Like, John Moran is talking like he's some Hall of Fame-level player. Like, he's some veteran. He, he won Rookie of the Year, which is cool. And then he won Most Improved Player, which is ridiculous because he already won Rookie of the Year. And there was a couple players that were nobodies that, you know, turned into really good players this year. So I don't think he should have even won Most Improved Player. But he hasn't earned anything either. He hasn't proven anything. He's proven that he can put up good stats, but good stats don't get you wins. So, I, I don't it's know. a sh- it's a shame. I, I 
I love John Morant. First couple of years in the league this year, I think he's really just shown his true colors. And I, I'm not. I know a lot of people love him, but I'm not the biggest John Morant guy. Um, he just comes off very cocky and and ignorant. So. And I think that it's it's cool to come off cocky, you know, if you can back it up. But this is the furthest the Grizzlies have been in the play, like playoffs in a long time. This is tied for the Grizzlies' best record ever, and they got bounced in round two. Uh, on, you know, well, I guess it was in Golden State. I was going to say on their home court, but it's not because the Grizzlies were the two seed. So, I just, I don't know. The Grizzlies team as a whole did a complete heel turn over the course of one year. They went from, like, likable underdogs to by the end of the year, everyone was like, oh, I'm glad that they lost. It's just, I don't know, something about the way they were acting. Like, Taylor Jenkins, the way every time anything happened, he would say, like, I don't know, that looked kind of suspicious. I think the league should review it. Like, prime example, John Morant getting hurt. Taylor Jenkins and a bunch of Grizzlies fans were calling for Jordan Poole's head because he reached for the ball and caught John Morant's leg and pulled back to try to move his hand away. And they were like, oh, that was clearly intentionally injuring him and stuff like that. Yeah. So... That and then just random stuff throughout the year, like uh, uh, what's it? What's his name? Why can't I think of his name? Their shooting guard was it Brooks? Uh, I have to look this up just to just oh, it's Dylan Brooks. There you go, Dylan Brooks. And he said something a lot when he was talking about Andre Iguodala, and I understand Andre Iguodala, the whole Grizzly saga with him leaving a bad taste in Grizzlies fans. But Dylan Brooks said something about building a dynasty over there in Memphis. Like, dude, you have some good young players, but maybe, like, I don't know, make the Western Conference Finals before you start talking about a dynasty? Yeah, they're the they're the Bengals of the NBA. <laughs> Except the Bengals made the Super Bowl. You know, well, I could understand I just them mean... Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I, I... I'm not completely. But um, I guess, you know... Real quick, just we'll finish up with NHL and MLB. NHL second round, Lightning versus Panthers. We got your team, St. Louis Blues versus the Colorado Avalanche. Rangers, Hurricanes, Oilers, Flames. Um, I don't know too much about hockey other than the Capitals, who got bounced by the the Panthers. Um, I don't know. I think Lightning are still, you know, the team to beat in my mind. I think the Panthers are overrated. I think the Capitals, had they been more disciplined, could have easily beaten them. Pat Maroon of the Tampa Bay Lightning has now won 14 consecutive playoff series because the Lightning won back-to-back and he won in St. Louis the year that we won three years ago. Mm-hmm. So shout out Pat Maroon. Love him. St. Louis boy. Let's go Blues. That being said, the Blues are going to get massacred by the Avs. The Avs are a much better team than us. Yeah, it's going to be an avalanche. Sad. It is going to be an avalanche. It's the Stan Kroenke Bowl, but unfortunately, I think Stan Kroenke is going to come out on victorious like he always seems to. Um, Rangers, Hurricanes. I'm taking the Rangers. I don't know. I like the Rangers. They're cool. Go New York. You know. Uh, Start I was spreading the, the news. Hard-hitting analysis in, in my NHL franchise. I was on, I was drafted to the Rangers, so I always have a spot, soft spot for them. I don't know, Andre or whatever and then the oilers flames i like the oilers go connor mcdavid he's the you know best okay. player in the league right now and he's super fun to watch and so i'm always going to be rooting for them uh funny fun fun fact the montreal canadians did the 
Stanley Cup Finals to first overall draft pick speed run. I don't know if you saw that. They were in the Stanley Cup Finals last year, and they got the first draft pick in the draft this year because they were so bad this year. So I, I don't know how often that happens, but that's pretty interesting. Um, all right, MLB. We're speed running this uh, last, you know. I got I got my Bryce Harper Nationals Bryce jersey Harper. on. Bryce Harper. No, obviously not on my team anymore, but one of the cooler jerseys in the league, so I had to rep it here. The Nationals, like, bloom jerseys are sick. You better get a bloom jersey. I've, I've been thinking about it, but I'm trying to, you know, save some money. But Bryce Harper's been on absolute tear. Um, God, no, no pun intended there because uh, right now he's been just – uh, DHing for the Phillies because um, he has a small tear in his UCL and his throwing elbow. Gotcha. Yeah, so that was a terrible joke. By well, me. No, I didn't know that. I was like, please explain what the punch. No, was. no, no, that was, that was terrible. Like, I didn't even I mean to do that. Maurice Jones drew like no, no pun intended. You remember that where he was like, yeah. this guy is a very good player. No pun intended. It was mm-hmm. like, where was the pun anyway? Yeah, but he's he's batting three hundred five. Uh, with 24 extra base hits, nine homers, 14 doubles, and a triple, which is the most in the major leagues right now. Um, reigning NL MVP. I think he's got a good chance to get it this year as well, considering yeah. you know he's only DHing and he's still putting up ungodly numbers. Had a rough start to the year, but um, I love Bryce Harper. Wish he was still on my team. So it's cool seeing him uh, ball out for the Phillies. So fun fact. As of last night, two players in MLB history have hit more than 600 home runs and pitched a full inning. You have Babe Ruth, and now you have Albert Pujols, baby. Uh, He pitched, actually, one of the rare cases of a position player pitching in a win for the team. The Cardinals were up 15-2, to so they put in Albert Pujols to pitch. Um, He completed the inning. He only gave up four runs, so we won 15-6. to And it's just kind of that's a really fun trivia stat years from now is that he joined favorite to be the only one to pitch a full inning and hit more than 600 home runs. Um, real quick, best team in baseball, in your opinion? Yankees. I got to agree right now. It sucks. I hate it. I don't like the Yankees. I don't like that you can just pay for your team in baseball and like, the you know, the Yankees and the Dodgers are the top two teams because they have the most money. But it happens. Um, Young Carlos Stanton and Aaron Judge have both been on a, a tear. You know, neither of them have a torn UCL, but they both have been hitting Stantonian home runs. Uh, and it's going to be interesting because I think Aaron uh, Aaron Judge, I almost said Aaron Gordon. Did you notice that Aaron Judge and Aaron Gordon, like if they wore like a hat, look very similar? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, Aaron Judge is I believe a free agent after this year and he's going to get absolute bank from somewhere whether it be the Yankees or it'll be the Yankees it'll be the Yankees um all stands in for the judge I'm terrible joke up. uh I also gotta agree with the Yankees right now um uh, so then that leads into the question what do you think which team do you think has been the most disappointing this year the Red Sox really yeah, okay. the, their record is. Think they've only won like thirteen games. They've been horrendous, and they have good players. So it's early uh, in the season, but they've been a disappointment. Um, I think most, you know, surprising to a lot of people would be the Angels, but to be with Trout, Otani, and Rendon, um, 
you know, I, I had a feeling they'd be good this year. I didn't know if they'd be this good, but they've been uh, amazing. My team not doing so, too uh, well. Uh, it's to be expected. You know, it's not a surprise, but they have been fun to watch, uh, whether that be the Cherry Blossom jerseys or just Bryce Harper and – or not Bryce Harper, God. I got Bryce Harper on the line. Juan Soto and Josh Bell uh, have been putting up some good numbers. They're either – the Nats either destroy – the team they're playing, or they get destroyed. There's really no in between. I think my most, most disappointing, I also got to go with the Sox team, but I got to go with the White Sox. Just because, you know, every year they're betting favorites to be a top team in the league, and then it just seems like they consistently just fall for that every time. I too. remember. And uh, Tony LaRusa, apparently, I was reading some post game threads like, by White Sox fans. Apparently, Tony LaRusa just kind of punts on games that they aren't winning after five innings, and that's the reason why their record's so bad, which is just ridiculous. And, like, maybe it's a genius long-term play, but who knows. Um, but, yeah, they're 16-17, not over 500. That whole division, actually, like, the Guardians also, 16-17. Didn't think they'd be great, but I thought they'd be, you know, I guess around there. And then the Royals and the Tigers actually both started the season pretty decently, but now they're back to being the Royals and the Tigers, so... Um, and then one last thing I want to ask before we go, right? Who do you think the the best and worst free agent signings have been so far? For like NFL? For baseball. Oh, baseball. This year. Um, I don't know. I, I don't have like a, a real definitive answer. I mean, was Senegard on the Angels last year? No. So... Yeah. I think that's you know, that's been a good one from them. He's been solid, and um, that's really off the top of my head. All I can all I can uh, remember. Yeah, let me. Um... I think Chris Bryant would be a good signing for the Rockies if he weren't injured. Which is Carlos Radon signed to the Giants, right? That's one. Yeah. Um... As a best signing obviously i think he pitched last night didn't do too hot uh against your st louis cardinals but that's been a good one for them as well and i don't i there's so many it's gotta be freddie freeman right i feel like he's i mean he's hitting 300 he has a yeah. ops of 864 and he has you know three home runs 36 hits on the season i mean anytime you can get a former mvp like that got to go Freddie Freeman. And then most disappointing, shoot, um, Marcus Simeon. That's, this is the biggest one I want to talk about was Marcus Simeon. He got an absolute like load of money from the Rangers. He's batting like 130 or something like that right now this season. Um, let me look it up because I want to, I want to make sure he, I want to get his actual stats. Sorry. It's 157 on the season. That is awful for a guy that they paid like, however many millions of dollars for he's actually he actually has negative war this year so far <laughs> as their second i know it's the rangers and they're not great but they got him and they got uh cory seager to try to rebuild their infield and it did not look like a good move so that's all i got i think we hit on everything yeah, thank we y'all little, thanks for sticking with us yeah it was i'll edit it when it goes on youtube it'll It'll be all nice and and purdy, but thank you all for watching, and uh, we will see you on Thursday.